Um, could you join me in welcoming our red carpet guests for, that are here visiting campus? So welcome to campus. I hope you're enjoying your time getting to know the community. A couple other quick announcements as we get started. There's a couple weekend events going on. I'm sure there's actually quite a few weekend events going on, but a couple just to mention. The Intercultural Center, they're hosting a, a dinner tonight. I know they're excited about that and want um, lots of people to come out to participate. We have some home soccer games this weekend as well. Um, Monday is Columbus Day, so you do not have day classes. I think they resume at 4 o'clock. And on Tuesday, SGA is hosting an all-school pep rally, um, so they want you to be watching for flyers and posters for more information on that. I'd also like to introduce our speaker for this morning. Today we have Pastor Richard Griffiths. Um, he was born in Jamaica at the age of four. <laughs> Got some fans. At the age of four, his parents migrated to the U.S. with he and his brother and settled in Queens, New York. Um, Richard earned a Bachelor of Science in Marketing from Binghamton University and a Master of Arts in New Testament Biblical Literature from Alliance Theological Seminary. He is an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene and currently serves as young adult pastor for a nonprofit executive director in Bronx, New York. He is a pianist and percussionist. He is passionate about music and is on the advisory uh, member board at the Bronx Music Heritage Center. He is married to his amazing wife, Yannick, and they have two beautiful kids, a son and a daughter, who they say make every day an adventure. So would you join me in welcoming him this morning as our speaker? And would you stand with me as we, um, as we pray this morning and enter into worship? Lord, we are so grateful and thankful, God, to enter into your presence this morning and, um, and to be a community, God, that belongs to you. And Lord, we just thank you for the amazing works that you're doing in the lives of the individuals that are part of this community and for us as a, as a campus, God. Um, we give you thanks and praise, Lord, for all that you have done, uh, Lord, to bring us to this place at this time in the semester. And Lord, may you be with us as we, um, as we still our hearts and we still our minds. Lord, may you remove any distractions, any worries, any frustrations um, this morning that we may be able to focus on you. Um, and, um, and worship you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Really excited to be here with you at ENC. Um, this is like home for me. So if I start acting like I'm at home, just forgive me. Even though I won't apologize because I'm at, I'm at home. Right. I've been coming to uh, ENC for uh, a number of years. In fact, I, I think since I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old, um, I can remember coming on this campus for uh, Festival of Life um, activities that would happen. And X amount of years later, here I am in the same place, again, just in a different capacity. At that time, I remember it was to come here and to play sports for the Metro New York District or to play music for the district. Um, but now God has, has, has really taken me a long way and has, 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 has allowed me to be here with you. Um, I'm delighted. I'm excited. I hope you guys are. I'm, I'm going to need your help. 
As you see, I'm black, and there's a call and response in our culture. <laughs> I heard some, some weeks ago that there was somebody telling you to get on the bus, ride that bus, ride that bus. Well, <laughs> I've heard some strange things. I've heard it wasn't ride that bus, but I heard somebody one time say, don't leave there. And when I was preaching, I just, I guess I had to stay, stay there. <laughs> so... So I'm just going to let you know, call and response is very important to our culture. So I'm going to need you to be awake to help me in this process. Um, I'm excited to be here again. My, my family is here. Um, I'm, I'm married to my wife of five years. Her name is Yannick. We have a son who's three. His name is Seth and a daughter who just turned one on my birthday. And her name is Hannah. And um, they're here. But if you have children, you know it's hard to rally all the troops at once. And so everybody trickles in. When they, when they trickle in, but you'll probably see us around, around town. But we are, we are very excited to be here. We got here about 2 in the morning because it takes a long time to get everybody together to move. And then, of course, traffic from New York makes it what it is. But we, I'm hoping to have an amazing time in the Lord. And I do know what time we have and what time we have left. So I want you to pray with me, and then we'll get started. Lord God, we thank you for this time that you have designed for us to be together. Lord, you are not arbitrary, you are specific, and you are intentional. Lord, you love us with an everlasting love. And you create opportunities for us to experience your love and your grace and your power over and over again. God, we pray that as we reflect today on you and your character Lord, that that we would come to love you now, some of us, and that some of us would come to love you more. Lord, that you would capture our hearts and that we would be forever yours. God, I pray that, Lord, in this foolishness of preaching, that people will be saved. People will be snatched from the kingdom of darkness and brought into your marvelous light. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, that, that your name would be glorified, that your people would be edified, that our, that our enemy, the devil, the adversary would be mortified because people are loving you again. We ask these things in your name, we pray. Amen. End of our time, I really want us all to be convinced That living by the Holy Spirit is the only way to live. And that we will yield ourselves to the Lord today. That living by the Holy Spirit is the only way to live. And yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit is something that is extremely vital for today. You know, in my times as a youth pastor and young adult pastor, one of the things that I've noticed is that People are not lacking information. We can always access information. In fact, most of you in two seconds will jump on your phone and get the information that you need. It's not hard for you to find a sermon. In fact, it's not hard for you to get the content that you need to access for you to go about doing your business. What I found as a pastor, as a, as a, as a Christian man, as a, as a young pastor, as a youth pastor, is that the problem sometimes isn't the information. The problem is that there's no transformation. People don't know what to do with that information. 
Something hasn't really touched. And more than even transformation, there really hasn't been any impartation. So people can learn. They've learned about the Holy Spirit and what it has done and what it can do for people back then. But sometimes people haven't experienced what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit themselves. I know what it is to be apathetic. I was raised, you know, in my bio, you heard, I came to the country when I was four, extracted from my country by my parents. They brought me to this land. I had no say, right? And I'm here. Brought me to New York. As far back as I can remember, we attended the Church of the Nazarene. I've always been in the Church of the Nazarene. At, in, in my time, I tell this story sometimes, you know, I didn't even know that white people were in the Church of Nazarene because the Metro New York district is so diverse. I found out that white people were in the Church of Nazarene when I went to, some, when I went to camp. We went to Camp Deconic, and I saw it back in the day, and I said, oh my gosh, there's white people in the Church of Nazarene? <laughs> then later on, I, found, I did some research, and I thought, but there's more, it's mostly white people in this church. All right, we diverse, kind of, reverse. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I've been a part of the church. You know, one of the things is that I know church jargon. I know church language. I know church protocol. I know when to make things low and make things high. My mom made me, you know, study the hymns. I wanted to play the drums. I said, man, I really want to play the drums. She had, my mom's a teacher. She had a great strategy. She said, you can play the drums. I'll even buy you a drum set. I said, great. She said, here's the thing. You got to learn the piano first. I said, come on, Ma, what you gonna? And she would just put the hymnal in front of me, our, our good old Nazarene hymnal, put it in front of me. And she said, you gotta play these things. You gotta know them. I thank God for her now because it's those songs of Zion that resonate in me and the times when I need to know what God is saying in me. He, she put a song in my heart. God had placed her there for me to learn these things, and I have a, a song in my heart. And, 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 and there's, there's times, what I'm, what I'm trying to convey to you is that I, I know about being apathetic. I know about coming to chapel. I know about going to Bible study. I know about navigating church life. You understand where I'm going? I know about playing the songs. I know about doing the... It's, it's, I know that stuff, right? My point is that that doesn't matter if there's no transformation. It doesn't matter if the Holy Spirit is not living inside of me. It just means that I can play the piano just like everybody else. What I realized was that I was able to do church-type things and exist in a particular culture and an atmosphere, but I was operating just like everybody else outside. What I realized in my, in, in, in my time is that, you know, more than me doing another Bible study with, with young people, which is very important, is I need to spend more time in prayer that the Holy Spirit would meet my young people. I would spend my time, I, you know, I had to move from a place because, you know, one of, one of your, your, your graduates, um, Pastor, uh, Pastor Shane, he's our youth pastor now at Bronx Bethany, and he was one of my first, he was my first um, young person when I came into ministry, a part of a, a, a group, a crop. And that crop, I mean, I had a great plan. The plan was, I'm going to do these studies. I'm going to put them in this rigorous discipleship study program. We're going to do it, and I'm going to pump out these super disciples. After they went through the program and they graduated, it's like everybody just went crazy. These people got pregnant. Shane and the rest of them joined the Crips or the Bloods. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody give me back my kids. You know, what's going on here? I just took them through a rigorous discipleship process. But what I realized is that they didn't have a transformative experience. They just had information. 
My wife tried to do something. We got married. We're married five years now. Just after we got married, she said, babe, I'm going to take you out. I said, all right. She said, I'm going to take you to a really fancy restaurant. I said, how fancy? Because now we share an account. And the way our bank account is set up, we got to... <laughs> we got to check in in the savings. <laughs> all right. All right. So she said, I'm going to take you to this fancy spot. I said, all right, no doubt. We'll go to the fancy spot. I went to the fancy spot. I said, she took me to a farm. I was like, I thought we'd take it to a fancy, fancy spot. She said, just watch. So we went past the farm. We rolled up on some, on some hills. And then we went into this little restaurant that was further along past the farm. I said, okay, restaurant on the farm. I said, okay, everybody in sport coats. I looked at her and I said, how much? She said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I said, you know, I'm skeptical about these places because I don't believe you need to spend all this money for this fancy, fancy food that you could get down the block at a local Jamaican restaurant or somewhere else. I'm a skeptic. She said, just watch. We go inside. They say, would you like some hors d'oeuvres? I said, okay, I'll take some hors d'oeuvres. They said, we'll give you some of the house hors d'oeuvres. They gave me this little tray, this little plate right here. They had three toothpicks on it sticking out of wood and they put three little tomatoes on there. And they said, here you go. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is what I'm talking about. I'm a grown black man. I'm 185 pounds and they're going to give me three tomatoes on a toothpick? How much? They tried to appease me. They said, you know, it's organic. We grow it ourselves. All the food that you have here, we grow ourselves right here on that farm. I said, that's great, but that's not going to do anything for me. That's just going to upset me. Because if you got... <laughs> So they gave me some more hors d'oeuvres that were grown on the farm. And I said, all right, that's amazing. And we go into the, to the, to the restaurant part. They give me a, a little menu. There, was no, there, were no, there were no orders on the menu. It was just a square in the middle with just ingredients. I looked at my wife and I said, what is this? I'm looking for what to order. And they're just ingredients. She said, just chill. I said, all right. The chef came out and he looked at me and I said, so chef, um, nice to meet you. I love the coat, but, but where's, the, where's the menu? Is this the, where can I get the menu? Because I want to know what to order. And he says, you know, just, just don't even worry about that. Let me just, let me ask you, are you allergic to anything? And he started having a consultation with me. And I said, why are you talking to me like this? Why don't you tell me what the menu is, right? <laughs> and he's having a consultation. After he talks to me and finds out if I like time or if I'm allergic to anything, what does my palate feel for? I looked at my wife and I said, palate? How much is this? <laughs> Anyway, he went back in. Long story short, he went back into the kitchen. He brought out two plates of food based on our palate, based on what we told him we liked. And he comes back and he says, why don't you have this? I took one bite of the food. I said, oh, my God. This is exactly what my palate felt for. This is amazing. My wife took her bite. She said, this is amazing. This is divine. I looked at her. I said, how much is this going to cost? I went there and I had an amazing experience, although I was a skeptic. A few days later, I went. It was a Tuesday. I Sabbath on a Tuesday because Sunday I'm usually working. So Tuesday, I'm there. I'm in a little restaurant. I'm sitting down. I'm there having my little time with my Jesus on my Bible app. Two little, two little white ladies sit next to me, and they start talking about restaurants. I'm listening to them, acting like I'm not listening to them, and they're talking about restaurants. And then one lady says, you've got to try this restaurant. It's a farm. And I said, farm? And then she, she, she went on. She talked about the same thing that I experienced. She said, the hors d'oeuvres. And then the lady said, uh, her partner, who she was explaining it to, said, I don't know if my husband's going to like that. And I interjected and I said your husband will like that <laughs> they were a little frightened because I just jumped in their conversation I said I'm sorry to eavesdrop but I'm not sorry because I need to tell you about the experience that I had it was amazing they've kept the food right to my palate it's the best thing I'm no longer skeptic of these bougie restaurants that are charging people a lot of money because if it tastes like that I want to taste it too 
So I told him, she told me about another restaurant. She said, if you like that, you'll like this one in Long Island. I said, girl, you better give me that information. She said, you really liked it. Wasn't it amazing? I said, it was. I had to share with them because I had an experience. The point of this story is this. I had a real experience for myself. The point of the story is that sometimes we're asking people to do some things. We're telling people to evangelize. We're telling people to live a particular way. But they don't have the ability to do that because they have never had an experience with the Holy Spirit. There is nothing to share because they've never experienced it themselves. What I've found is that sometimes we can be laboring and laboring in vain, having people do the study, having people learn this thing, have making sure we're putting people through these programs, and we're not focusing on having people also, also I'm saying, because it's not one or the other, also have an experience. What I believe, I believe that today people can have a real experience with the Holy Spirit. We're not cessationists. We believe that the Holy Spirit was not just present back then and it just ceased. We believe that there's power in the Holy Spirit today. Everybody sitting here can experience the power and the freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit. Everybody sitting here. It's not just a pipe dream. It's not just for them back then. It's for us today. He has provided an opportunity for us to access him. He has provided us to access his spirit and that provided an opportunity for us to die to ourselves. Our spirit can't live. I think some of the challenges in contemporary Christianity is this. Sometimes we're asking people to grow and we're not asking them to die. Right? We're okay. We're saying, you know, do a little bit better than you did last year. Well, you know, do, do a little bit better. Why, why, why don't you, you know, last year I wasn't so bad. This year I'm going to be better. But that's not what the call to Christianity is. It is to die to ourselves. What if the woman at the well, who Jesus has identified, you're right, you don't have one husband, you have five husbands. What if Jesus said to her, I tell you what, why don't you just go back and have three next year? Why don't you decrease? Why don't you decrease your fornication by 2%? He didn't respond that way. He said, go and sin no more. The call, the radical call of Christ is that his people, us, you and me, doesn't matter how young or how old we are, have this call, revisit this call to death to ourselves and life through the spirit. That we're not saying, Lord God, I just want you to just get me a little bit better. But we're saying, God, I want you to take it all out of me. If it don't look like you, God, I don't want it. If it don't smell like you, God, I don't want to. God, if I don't even want you to say, if it's, not, uh, if it's not what you want me to say, God, don't make me say it. It is a call to death and it's a call for life through the Spirit. The life through the Spirit is important. Jesus tells us something in Titus chapter 2. He says, if we die in him, we'll also live with him. And he also says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple." The people of God, the people who are the disciples of Christ, are the people who are committed to dying to themselves and living in the Spirit. I want to talk about some of the necessities. The necessities. Okay, I'm seeing the time. The necessities of the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to make every effort to live in peace with one another and to live holy, to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
Holiness, this spirit-filled life, this life that is carved out, is customized, exclusive to God and God alone, is absolutely necessary or we will not come into the glorious light of the living God. That God exclusively owns us. That no, he doesn't share us. That God is, I, you know, when we're talking about, you know, William Greathouse, an amazing writer that I, I, I love to read. And I'm sure that some of you guys are very, very familiar with him. But he, he describes it. He says, listen, you know, holiness is not people that are separated from other people. It's people that are separated unto the Lord. Song says, holiness unto the Lord is our watchword in song. It's the people that, that, that God owns and God owns exclusively. It's not simply separation. If I have two Skittles, two bags of Skittles, I got some green ones and some blue ones, and I say, I want you to separate the green from the blue, that's one thing. But when God is saying, no, 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 separate unto me, he's saying, give me the green and let me own the green. And then I'll put the green where the blue is, but they're mine, and so they will operate and live differently amongst the blue. You understand what I'm, when God is talking about holiness, he's saying, I want to have you, not so that you're out of the world, but when I bring you back into the world, you now reflect the very image and likeness of the living God. You are mine wherever I plant you. And it's something that God says, listen, this is not just something like a pipe dream. This is something, it's an, it has eternal implications without being completely God's. Our eternal salvation is in question. I didn't say it. Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews has said it. I love it because, uh, you know, Jesus depicts the danger of not being filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 11, verse 24 to 28, when he speaks about, um, uh, you know, when, 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 when a house is swept clean. I don't know if you got time to read it, but he talks about when, a, when, a, when an evil spirit leaves. When an evil spirit is, it, 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 the spirit goes and searches around for an arid place. And when it finally comes back and, and finds the place swept clean, it brings seven other spirits to come to destroy. And the final condition is worse than it was before. There's this idea. Some of us believe that if I'm not filled with the Spirit, then I'm okay. I'm just empty. I'm not filled with anything, that, that it's either or. I'm not filled with the Spirit, but I'm empty, and but at least I'm not filled with the demons. Well, the Scripture is telling us that, listen, if you're not filled with the Spirit of God, then you're filled with something else. You know, it's, it's like the bottle of water. When I'm done drinking this bottle of water, the water might be gone, but the oxygen is still in the water. And it happens immediately. And the only time that it's empty is when there's more coming to make the final condition worse than the first. I believe it's important for us to understand the spirit is our apostasy guard. It's something that is designed so that we will not, uh, we, will, we will always be in right relationship with the living God. Something where God's spirit will always fill us and it would also give us an assurance. Some of us, you know, we just don't know. Some people ask you, you know, are you going to heaven? Are you living right? Yeah, I think so. You think so? You think we have time to think so? Some of us need to know and have an assurance that we are God's, that we are his and he is ours. And this is the opportunity God is saying through my Holy Spirit is that I can give you an assurance where my spirit testifies with your spirit that you're my child and I'm your God. The second thing that the spirit does, I think it helps us to, to, to pray. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 that the, that, the, that the spirit makes intercession for us with moans and groans. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even have the words to even pray to God. Sometimes it's so challenging and so gripping in my experience. All I could say was, oh, help. 
all I could do sometimes when things were so challenging is cry out to God and say, Lord, I don't even know where to start. I don't know. You know, some of you are better than me because when you have, sometimes when there's a lot going on and you don't know where to start, you know, some of you have a great idea. Well, this is what the problem is and we're going to start right there and then we're going to go down. But you see, when a lot of issues come up, sometimes I just sit back, I don't even know where, I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, anybody got caught up, got caught up and you didn't do all your schoolwork one time and you just, all your classes got together at once. You didn't do right planning and you didn't know where to start. So you were in the library and then you just started goofing off because you didn't even know where to even begin to rectify the situation. Well, when I have hit stages in my life where I didn't know what to do or where to go or even what to pray, the Holy Spirit made intercession for me. The Holy Spirit, in my imagination, I imagine that, that me coming to the Lord, sometimes I come to the Lord with the wrong prayers. You know, Jesus says, we don't even know how to pray as we ought. I come to God with the wrong prayers, and the Holy Spirit looks at me and says, I got it, because what you're asking is dumb. <laughs> what he means is this. <laughs> but we need this Holy Spirit because we'll be, we'll be asking the wrong questions. We'll be praying the wrong prayers. And in the times where we don't even have the verbiage to articulate what we're asking God for, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and prays on our behalf. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 that he lives to make intercession for us. He lives to make intercession for us. He lives to, 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 to be on behalf of us song that always reminds me, always whenever I hear he lives, as he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. I don't know if you guys know that, maybe the older Pope, I don't know that song. Not only does the Spirit Holy Spirit have eternal implications. Not only does it help us to pray, but he teaches us what to say. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12 says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I had an experience. We went to an M conference. It was in Kentucky. It was M something. M 40, M 50, 12, 11, 9, something. I know it was in Kentucky. I tried to accompany my pastor. He was dealing with a little vertigo. I thought he would faint. I said, I'm going. I don't want you dying on, on my watch, and I could have done something. I'm healthy. I'm going with you, right? So we went out to M Conference. Another one of our members had gone out there as well. We're in Kentucky. We're laughing in the conference, in the, in, in, in the convention center. She's got a booth set up. It turns out somebody steals her computer. She turns her head. Somebody steals the computer. I look at her, and I say, I'm going to go get the computer, right? <laughs> So I go outside the conference. This is a true story, true story, right? I go outside the conference room, and I stepped out uh, the, the convention center, and I stepped outside the convention center, and I said, Holy Spirit, which way? Literally, Holy Spirit, which way? And I heard left, and I said, all right, well, we go left on. <laughs> and we walked, and we walked, and I must have walked maybe about half a mile, close to a mile, and then, and then I saw some, somebody in the distance walking a little slow with a bag in his hand, and I said, mm, I'm not really sure, and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, keep going. So I kept going, and I kept walking, and I kept walking. Then I saw him walk a little bit around the corner, and I walked a little bit around the corner, and I saw him lay the bag down real gently, and I said, there it is, Jesus. Then I walked there to him, and I'm not saying this because I'm a gangster. I'm in Kentucky. I know New York thieves. I don't know Kentucky thieves. 
I don't know what the operation. Didn't know if he had a shank. I didn't know if he had a gun, but I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you just got to try it, right? Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you hear, sometimes you just got to try it. And I said, Lord God, here we go. And I went there and I went to the gentleman. I stood in front of the gentleman and I said, oh God, Holy Spirit, what do I say? And all I said was, you have something of mine. He looked at me and he said, what? So I went to the New York stands because I know what to expect. It's my first time. You know, he might want to throw the blow. See, I got to be prepared in all situations, right? So I had to sturdy myself and didn't know what time it was. So I said, you have something that's mine. He took up the bag, pulled out the computer, and gave it to me. I took the computer and I said, don't steal no more. Got on the phone, called him and said, I got the computer, right? The lady calls me and says, well, you have the computer. Police are right here. Police come on the line. And they said, do you, do you, are, you, are you with the assailant? I said, yeah, he's here. He's here. And they said, can you hold him? I said, no, I believe in grace. <laughs> here is the point of the story. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. Not only does it have eternal implications, not only does he help you to pray, but he teaches you what to say. You know, God is so amazing because in his divine wisdom, he says, listen, I got a plan for my people. It is like a, you know, it's, 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 it's like a class where you can, you, you, all you can do is win. It's like, God, I'm, I'm going to this exam. Well, I, I don't have any, I don't have a pencil. And God says, here's the pencil. I don't have any paper. Well, here's the paper. Well, God, I never studied. Well, well here are the answers. I don't know what, I, you know, it gripped me so much. The love of God and the provision of God and the wisdom of God grips me so much. I have to say, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Come sweet spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. Because the spirit of God is God's provision for us to live a different life. If he has eternal implications... If we can't pray without the Spirit, if the Spirit can teach us what to say, these are major things. God is saying, what I'm telling you is that I'm creating a new lifestyle for you. A new reality where I show you things and I speak to you in a way that you have never ever imagined. What you see in front of you is their reality, not your reality by my Spirit. I let you see things differently. I let you operate different. I let you, I, I give you the answers to the exam. It is a new reality that I'm calling us into. And finally, not only does he help us to pray or teach us what to say, but he shows us who to be. He shows us who to be. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which you guys know, but the, you know, it's 21 uh, you know, well, 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Not only does it, but you know, the fruit of the Spirit, all these things can be translated the, the produce of the Spirit. These things work together. 
The joy, the peace, the forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are as a result of spiritfulness. Spiritfulness is not one of these things. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm full of the spirit. I got peace, but you know, I'm not faithful. You know, I'm joyful, but I ain't got no self-control. I'm kind, but I'm not loving folk. You know, the, the fruit of the spirit, all of these together. One of those things taken out, it messes with the integrity of the fruit. It is no longer the produce of the spirit. All of these together are one. The produce of the spirit, all of these things working together. And God says, in this spirit-filled life, you can have these things working together. You can access the spirit and it teaches you and it shapes you into, into this. Some of us are saying, you know, I don't want to, you know, the reason why I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do this. I don't want that because, you know, people always, they don't know, you know, they, they, they take advantage of me when I do this. And, you know, they take my kindness for weakness. They, you know, no, when I lock on the stuff, you know, I don't let things go. That's how everybody in my family is. We've been like that for all the ages. And but when, well, God is saying, well, that sounds like a pit bull. It doesn't sound like what I've decided you to be. And sometimes we want to hold on to some things that have been shaped in our brokenness, have been shaped by our socialization, have been shaped by our hurts and our pains. And God is saying, I want to have the spirit live inside of you. Let it produce these things so that you operate how I have designed you to be. And right now, for some of us, we're operating out of our brokenness, holding on to things that we think are so good. But God is trying to tell us they're not so good. Why don't you release them, God says, and let my spirit live inside of you so that you will look like me in the world. And you would be like me. The spirit not only does something, we believe that the spirit not only changes our character, but the spirit does something in terms of the gifting, the charisma. He produces things. He produces things that you could not do with your greatest talents. He gives us gifts like discernment. He gives us things like insight and vision so that I can go and walk someplace and say, Lord, is this a good time to follow that man? Does he have a gun? Well, I didn't discern in my spirit that he had a, you know, a 45. I said, Lord, maybe I can go. Well, the spirit is teaching us, is doing things, is shaping us. And what I'm saying today is that every one of us can live that Holy Spirit filled life. And I'm telling us it is the time for God's church to have an experience with him. That will make all the difference. I'm telling you, we say it all the time. It's going to be very hard to be a Christian without being a Christian. If you're looking at it as a set of rules or morality, if you're looking at it as simply, you know, a great, a great set of, uh, a great set of, of, of moral prescriptions and, and sometimes I can, but if we're looking at it as, as saying, this is what God wants for me, it is designed for me to be his holy priesthood, and his royal nation, then God is saying, listen, access this so that I will shake the world and shape the world through you. What would it look like? What would it look like? I'm not assuming that because we're on a, uh, on a Christian campus that everybody is sort of believing that Jesus Christ is the only way 
that everybody's believing that they can access the Holy Spirit. But what I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that even on this campus, I know that some people have not even sort of had a dynamic, definitive experience with the living God. I've had that experience with the living God, and it was on a very secular campus. I remember a night I was playing. I was playing the piano for a youth choir on Saturday, and I was partying in the, in the evening. And then I'd come back on a Saturday morning and play for the youth choir. And one morning, I couldn't get up. It was a Sunday morning, really, really early, and I had a beer bottle in between my legs. And all I heard God say to me was, I did not build you for this. And I remember getting up and taking that long walk of shame back to my apartment. And my life has never been the same because I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand. You know, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13, that, you know, people ask for a number of things. And I remember, I used to ask God for a lot of things. When I came upon God saying, if you ask me for my spirit, that's the thing that I won't deny from you. I said, God, I got it. I could be asking you for a number of things, family, relationship, asking you to, 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 to do this and to, to, to break that and to shape this for me and to give me an A or to, 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 to give me more money. But God says, listen, you ask me for my spirit. He's given us even more information about the exam. He's saying, here's what you ask for. It's almost like the teacher coming to you and say, listen, there's a way. There's a way that will blow your mind and blow this exam complete. Here to ask me for this. Who tells that? Tells you what to ask for. Who tells you? Somebody who loves you exhaustively. Someone who has a plan. Someone who wants to include us in what he's doing. God is going to get done what God is going to get done. He invites us into partnership. Israel Houghton, the greatest, one of the, one of the great worship leaders, said that, you know, one time he had a, a, a friend of his had called him. We went to a global leadership summit. A friend of him called him and said, look, you know, um, we got some Houston Rockets tickets if you want to go. And he, and he looks and he gets on the phone and he says, oh, man, you know, I would love to go, but I, but, but I got to lead worship tonight at my church. And he says when he hung up the phone, God looked at him and God, God spoke to him and God said, you got to? You don't got to do anything. You get to. What I'm saying is that God is inviting us into his divine partnership. We get to experience him. We get to live the way that he has designed us to live. And I want people this this, this morning to, to, to have a time where they would consecrate themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, take me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I want another a morning where people who have come just for an arbitrary sort of check, checklist, I got to go to chapel, to say, you know, God, I understand what you're saying. He, he coined it real perfectly. That's exactly me. But I want to experience this life through the spirit that the word of God is saying. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would. And if you're saying this morning, this Friday morning and this fall, saying, Lord, I want to live by your spirit. I just want you to slip your hand up and slip it back down so that I could pray for you. I see it and I see it. Just right up and right back down. I see the hands coming up. I see it all up there. I see it. And I see it. And I see it. Are there any others? 
I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it. Father God, right now, Lord, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and your love. Father, I pray that you would touch your people. Your people, Lord God. Your people have said, Lord, I want you and only you. Your people that have have raised their hands and said, Lord God, I want to experience that which your word is telling me that I can experience. God, I want to be brought into a new reality and I want to experience this thing for myself. Lord, I want it to be more than information. I want it to be transformation. I want it to be evident to me, and I want it to be evident to others. I want to have an assurance in my spirit that I am yours, and you are mine. Spirit of the living God, touch your people. Bless your people. Heal your people. Save your people. Help your people. Holy Spirit, come. I pray, Lord, that your people would receive the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us receive this benediction together. And may the God of peace empower you with the Holy Spirit that you may experience the transformational love of God. And as you go, um, go in peace this day, and um, as you leave, um, you'll actually be experiencing something a little bit different. Um, SGA has an announcement for you, so pick up a paper airplane and, and read, read it on there. But have a great weekend. Um, go in God's peace.